Everybody close your eyes. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this night. Lord, I just thank you that you just anoint my words. Father, that we just have a wonderful time rejoicing in you. Father, let our ears be open to hear from you, hearts open to receive from you. And right now, we just say we're ready to hear. Say we're ready to hear. Ready to receive and ready to have a good time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. All right. All right. So go ahead and grab your sermon hand down and grab a pen so you can take some notes. Uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. And we're going to be picking up in Luke chapter 9. Now, uh, la the last two weeks were really, really awesome because, one, last week, y'all enjoyed Pastor Tony last week? And that was really, really good. And prior to that, Jeremy spoke. I said, Pastor Tony, I just prophesied. Did you hear that? Did you just catch that? Where's he at? He need to receive that. All right. And then Jeremy <laughs> spoke two weeks ago, and they had some really good points. And one of the points Jeremy brought out was that God is the God of the natural and the supernatural. Remember that? Which was absolutely awesome. And he said, so you cast your cares on God and with expectation that God's going to do some things. And then last week, Tony talked about being desperate for Jesus, desperate for God. And he said, you know, how much, what, what do I have to do before God does what he does? Really good question. And so this week, we're going to kind of continue that kind of vein of thought in Luke chapter 9, okay? So in Luke chapter 9, we're going to pick up here at verse 10. Now, this is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, all right? And here we go, verse 10, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now, what they had done was Jesus had laid hands on them and sent them out. Say, so sent out. Right. Come on, fellas. Say, sent out. All right. And he told them, don't take no money. Don't take no extra clothes. Don't take no extra shoes. Don't take any food with you. Don't take any extra shoes or anything with you. And just go out and begin to heal and minister and just stay with people who invite you in. And so they go out and they start praying for the sick and things are starting to happen. And they're seeing extraordinary things take place. They're like, this whole praying thing works. I laid hands on people, and they got healed. I laid hands on the demons, and the demons ran out, and all sorts of stuff was taking place. And so they come back excited. Say excited. So they come back excited, and they say to Jesus, look, they return, and they start telling them all this stuff takes place, right? While they were gone, Jesus was praying for people and healing people because that's what he does. And so they all withdrew, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Now, late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. But Jesus replies to them, you give them something to eat. Now, they're, now, now they're figuring, okay, it's, it's pretty late in the afternoon, you know, everybody getting hungry. And I really think in their heart, they're going, look, everybody getting hungry and I'm getting hungry. You know, one thing that happens when in church, and y'all do, do it every week, you know, church makes you hungry. You could be sitting in the pews, and there could be a really good point, and then all of a sudden, your stomach's like, and you're looking around like, all right, you know, I was in it a minute ago, but, you know, Taco Bell sound good right about now. <laughs> You know what I mean? It, it's some all of a sudden creep up. You know, the next thing you know, you start getting hungry, right? And so, yeah, a spirit, Jesus is Lord, a spiritual taco. La paria is, anyway, y'all get me messed up. All right, so they start getting hungry, and they're like, look, Jesus, send everybody so they grab lunch because we want to grab lunch too. He tells them, you give them something to eat. 
So they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Look, all we got is cat and bees, one meal. That's all we got, all right? And he says, and they say, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. Now, there was about 5,000 men there. Now, that was just the men. They ain't counting the women and the children. So there was a gang of people on that mountainside. And Jesus said, you feed them. And their response is, okay, all we got is this, you know, the five loaves and the two fish, unless you want us to go buy food. Now, how many of you have ever been in a position like this where you feel like you're just stuck? You don't, you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you just had immediate success. You're excited. You know, everything's going great in your life. Everything's going good. You feel like you're growing. You feel like everything's working out. And then all of a sudden, you hit a roadblock. You know, and it's a position to where you, you feel like you're supposed to know the answer, but you don't know the answer. It's like looking at a test, and there's a problem on the test. You know, and it's like 5 plus 5 minus 2 divided by 3. And you're sitting there looking at it like, I know this. But what is the answer? <laughs> you know, and it, and it just, and it's there in your mind, and it's just you feel stuck. You know, and there are a lot of people on the course of their life of success who have hit a roadblock like this, where they've hit a, hit a spot where they feel like, okay, I know I was moving forward and everything going good, but I don't understand what just hit me, okay? And so, hey, we're going to play another little game. I guess it's game night, right? And so the name of this game is Who Could This Be? All right, so I'm going to read a description of a person. Now, we're going to be cordial. Do not yell out the answer, fellas. Don't yell out the answer. Raise your hand if you know the answer. Anyway, all right, so here's the, no, it's not Jesus. All right, so here's the description. They're like, Jesus, God, Moses. Anyway, all right, all right, so here, here we go. All right, y'all listen, listen up. All right, person number one. He is one of the richest people in the world, but at one time he couldn't make any money at all. His first company, known as Traff Odata, had a device that could read tapes and process data. It failed miserably. Him and his business partner didn't, didn't let that stop them from trying again, though. And it's noted as saying the failure helped them, even though Traffo data wasn't a wrong success, it was important in preparing us to make Microsoft's first product a couple of years later. Who are we talking about? Bill Gates. Billionaire Bill Gates. All right, y'all ready for the next one? Y'all got it? All right, number two, let's go. Listen up. This person didn't have the best childhood. In fact, many people thought he was just a dud. He never spoke for the first three years of his life, and throughout elementary school, many of his teachers thought he was lazy and wouldn't make anything of himself. That means there's hope for plenty of people here. All right. He always received God. <laughs> I know. I'm off the chain. Y'all off the chain. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. He always received good marks, but his head was in the clouds. Conjuring up abstract questions people couldn't understand. But he kept thinking and, well, he eventually developed this theory of relativity, which many of us still can't wrap our heads around. Done. Albert Einstein. <laughs> Albert Einstein. Look, they didn't think he would be anything. Albert Einstein. All right, a couple of more. I right, know this one's a hard one. Here we go. When he was 15, he had to drop out of school to support his family. 
His father was an unemployed musician, and as the family went from lower middle class to poor, they eventually had to start living in a van. He didn't let this stop him from achieving his dream of becoming a comedian. Yes, comedian. This, he's about to lose it. Hold on. <laughs> he's like, I know it. All right. He went from having his dad drive him to comedy clubs in Toronto to starring in mega block bu blockbusters like Liar Liar and Bruce Almighty and being known as one of the best comedic actors of an era. Yes. No. Yes, say it. Yes, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. I had to give it to him. He was coming out of his seat over there. Good job. All right, we got two more. Ready? She is one of the most successful and richest people in the world today. She grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was repeatedly molested by her cousin, uncle, and family friend. She eventually ran away from home and at the age of 14 gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died afterwards. But, tra but the tragic past didn't stop her from becoming the force she is today. She, ex she excelled as an honor student in high school, won an oratory contest, which secured her a full scholarship to college. Now the entrepreneur and personality has the ad admiration of millions and a net worth of $2.9 billion. Who? It's Oprah Winfrey. Did y'all know she has such a tragic upbringing? Yeah. And she is $2.9 billion. That's a lot of money. All right. We got one more. All right. This is the last one. All right. Listen up. Listen up. He came from a rough Brooklyn neighborhood and had big dreams to make it as a rapper. Unfortunately, the rest of the world didn't agree with him at first. Not one record label would sign him. Yet that didn't stop him from creating his own music powerhouse. His label would eventually turn into the insanely lucrative Rockefeller Records. Forbes has estimated his net worth at over $500 million, and Time Magazine ranked him as one of their 2013 most influential people in the world. All right, give me an answer. Jay Z. It was Jay. Did you think? It was, how did, did? Who did you think it was Jay Z? Thought it was Eminem. No, it's Jay Z. Jay Z. Yep. Jay Z. All right. Pretty cool, isn't it? Pretty cool, isn't it? All right. Now check this out. All these people have something in common. Shh. Listen up. All these things have something in common. One, they're all rich. One, they all became successful. But all of them found a place in their life where they hit a roadblock in pursuit of what they were going to be successful. And all of them were in this position of trying to figure out, what do I do when I don't know what to do? <laughs> when you hit a situation where I just don't know what to do. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? When situations in your life all of a sudden turn <laughs> and you didn't expect them to turn. See, here's my story, all right? This is me when I was playing basketball. Yeah, back in high school. I had the Gumby. It was off chain. All right, anyway, right? 
So back in high school, my senior year, I was excited. My junior year, actually, I was excited because I was varsity. I was going into my senior year. I had hopes of going to college to play basketball. I was a starter all four years that I was in high school, all three years I was in high school. And so at the end of my junior year, they already had picked the roster for the senior year. I already had college scouts starting to come out and take a look. I was getting ready to go to Oral Roberts University. I had already planned I was going to be playing there. My coach already figured Thomas Stevenson's going to college to play ball. I was going to get a scholarship. So everything in my life looked great. That's the last year we played my junior year where we won the national championship. And so we were excited. I was excited. My family was excited. Me and two of my other cousins, we used to joke because we all figured we're going to play each other in college and we're all going to go pro and play each other in the NBA. But then all of a sudden, my senior year, they changed the qualification rules for basketball. And what they changed them to was this, that you can only play four years. Now, I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma from Newark, New Jersey. And in New Jersey, I went to a high school, and the high school was a pretty rough school. And so because of that, and there was a lot of things going on, I ended up repeating my freshman year when I moved to Oklahoma. So technically, they counted that as two years. So then I played my sophomore year three years. And then I played my junior year four years. And then they said, so you can't play your senior year. So all of a sudden, my dreams... My, all my ambitions, the senior year is when you get all the tapes. The senior year is when you meet the recruiters. The senior year is when you, know, you start getting ready for college. You turn in all your applications. You're already starting to work out with the school you're going to. And all of a sudden, I can't play. So for me, you, you guys can imagine that. All of a sudden, you know, all your hopes and dreams of, and ambitions of moving forward are stopped. I didn't know what to do. And I remember just sitting in my room crying because I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I guess I'm not going to play ball anymore. I, my scholarship is gone. So how am I going to go to college? You know, what am I going to do in my life after high school? And God really had to minister some things to me because I felt just like the disciples did. Stuck. What, what do you do? when you don't know what to do. So here's some things God showed me. The first thing he showed me is give your problems and give God your problems and allow him to give you solutions. The first thing I did was I said, Lord, I'm yours. I, I, if, if I'm not playing basketball, then you have something better for me. Well, it turned out that during that summer, I was in the band room because I was a part of a hip-hop group, and the new band director came by and heard the music, asked who produced the music. I told him I did. He said, do you know how to play, you know, instruments? I said, well, I dabble on the keys, and, you know, I'm messing around on the drums. Really didn't know much at all, but I played by ear. He said, okay, well, let me show you some things. I joined the jazz band, got involved in music, got involved in worship, and I prom if I had not gotten that route, I wouldn't be here. See, God had a different plan for my life. And see, what we have to learn is we have to go to God for our solutions and, and, and not go to the world to solve the problems. You know what my knucklehead friend said to me? 
These guys, I'm going to look, I, can't, I guess, you know, I'm not going to be playing. It was like, well, man, I guess, you know, Walmart hiring, you know, you get a job, you know. I was like, seriously? They ain't had no answers. <laughs> and we can't go to the world for answers. We can't go to the world. We have to trust God to give us solutions. Say, trust God for the solution because God has an answer. He always has an answer. All right, and I'm saying you have to seek God for answers, okay, not religion because there's a difference. All right, understand, religion and God, there's a difference. You want to go to God. You want to know God. You want to have a prayer relationship with God. You have to get an answer from God. And out of that, that comes forth in worship and service. So trust God and know God. Second thing is this. Trust that God won't give you anything more than you can bear. I promise you in the middle of, of situations like that, you feel like there's no way out. I understand that during circumstances like that, you figure there's no way I can get past this. There's no way I can get over this. There's no way I can deal with this. There's no, I, I just don't know how I can make it through this. But trust God that in the middle of that situation, he's not going to give you anything more than you can bear. In the journey of life, you're going to face trouble. You're going you're gonna, to, every successful person does. You're going to deal with it, but you have to trust God that in the middle of all that stuff, be diligent and clear-minded and focused and let God direct you through it. Amen? All right, and number three is this. Don't worry. How many, say worry. Worry is, the, is most often the prideful way of thinking that you have more control over life and its circumstances than you actually do. Don't worry. Listen, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, because worry and meditate are the exact same thing. If you're in a circumstance that's troubling, if you sit there and worry on it, all worrying is, as you know, well, what about this? Or what about that? Well, how would this happen? How can that happen? Well, suppose this happens. Suppose that happened. Well, maybe it won't go this way. Maybe it won't go that way. Suppose this, 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 That's worry. If you flip it around and you meditate, so what is God doing? What is he saying? How am I supposed to proceed forward? Let me get some advice from people. Meditate. The word says, be still and know that he is God. What does that mean? I'm going to be still and know that he is God, and I'm going to trust in him. Don't worry. And don't surround yourself with negative people who worry. Because negative people like negative people. And negative people like things negative. So if you're around people who are negative during circumstances like this, guess what? They're going to bring you down. It's going to be hard not to worry. And the last one is give it to God. And I like this saying, giving it to God doesn't mean it won't hurt. It just means I'm no longer struggling through it by myself. See, it's never a case of, well, God, you know, the whole thing is going to go away and it's not going to hurt anymore. It's never a case that you're not going to feel the emotions of disappointment. What it comes down to is you know that you're not going through it alone. God provides an answer to your circumstance, and you put your faith and trust in him. Amen? All right, so let's look at what happened. So here we are. He said to the disciples, have everyone sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke it. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute it to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. They gave it to God. 
and God took care of it. Now, many of us agree with this truth, right? Many of us will say, Pastor Tommy, amen. You know, trust God with our solutions. He won't give us more than we can bear. Yes, right, we shouldn't be worrying about things. You know, we just need to give it to God. But why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? We agree with those things, but we have a hard time believing. And I think sometimes it's because we still walk around with this question. Is God real? Now, I know in this room, everybody say, yes, Pastor Tommy, he's real, he's real. But do you really believe he's real? Because the test of you knowing if he's real is when you're in circumstances that test that faith. See, all these things we agree with. Give God your problems and allow him to give you solutions. He won't give you more than you can bear. Give it to God. Worry. But we often have times believing he's real. Amen. Give God a hand. Isn't that awesome? God is real. Isn't that awesome? God is real. And if we understand how real he truly is, then it's easy to give him our problems and allow him to give us solutions. It's easy to know that the circumstances we're going through are easy to bear. It's easy to not worry because you know he's there. And it's easy to give him everything we have and know that he's going through it with us. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I just thank you that you are real. Lord, I thank you that you are real. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are real. Jesus, I thank you that you are real and in this place. Father, remove the, the scales from our eyes so that we can see you in everything, everywhere, and know who you are. With your heads bowed, if you're in here and you say, Pastor Tommy, I'm at a place where I'm stuck. I just don't know what to do. And I believe that God is real, but I need an answer. I need a solution. I just need comfort. If you can raise your hand and just let me pray for you where you're at. Just, just lift your hand up in the air and you can put it down. Father, in the name of Jesus, with every hand that went up, Lord, we pray right now that your Holy Spirit go in and begin to, to show them how much you really appreciate and love them. Father God, how you are just waiting to give them answers, how you have solutions to their problems, how you have plans and a direction for their life, almighty God. Father, how the scripture says in Jeremiah that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. Father, that we will rest in that verse. We will rest in that scripture. And we'll rest and know that you have a perfect design for each one of us. Father, this night in the name of Jesus, we bind the enemy off their lives. We plead the blood of Jesus over each one of them, that their minds will be open to hear from you. Father, that you silence the voices that may be around them that speak in contrary to your purpose and plan for their lives. And Father, that you will whisper in their ear the truth. 
that you are their God, that they are your children, and that you love them. Father, we thank you for quick answers and a quick release. We bless you and praise you this night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I've got two words. One is this. The Lord says, just because you are young does not mean you are immature. Just because you are young does not mean you are immature. Age has nothing to do with maturity. The Lord says so. Do not say I'm too young for or I'm too young to do. The Lord says no. Just do and see what I do through you at such a young age. The second word the Lord says is take pride in who you are. You are my child. You are my daughter. You are my son. So take pride in who you are. And know because you know me, I will respond to you quickly. So don't think I have to wait or who knows when this answer is going to come. The Lord says, because you're my child, I'll give you an answer quickly. The Lord says, how many of you will go to your mom with a question and she would not respond immediately with an answer? How much more can me, your father in heaven, do the same thing for you? Good words? Amen. Hey, y'all are awesome. Y'all are great. Y'all are magnificent. The Lord loves you. Greatness is in you. Continue to work it out. Give God a hand. Amen.